never ever trust your family okay you are <laughs> alone in this game okay your family is going to be over committing themselves when they promise anything just because they are extremely emotional they are not rational when they are committing okay and if you do that then it's going to fire back so i uh, one piece of advice would be you are alone in this game don't count on anyone just think that nobody is there to help you if you mm. plan that way then you will go a long way Everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Sam Gupta, and uh, give you a quick introduction to Sam. So uh, he came from a, a business, or a, a family that was always or did, did their own business. So he started at uh, the younger age of eight years old, helping out the family business, everything from money and finance and kind of every, everything in between and doing tables and whatever else it was, but doing a family business and then went off and got a degree at uh, in engineering at the university had an entrepreneur desire, but also needed to support the family. So worked for a big business alongside pursuing his own business for a period of time, did consulting for the big businesses, still wanted to do his own entrepreneur journey. So started to start something on his own. And in around 2011, 2012, started to explore startups, failed on a few different, trying to get startups up and going, decided to focus on the, the core uh, of skills for a startup. And uh, that, led, that led to starting up his own, uh, his own business and a couple different brands uh, not, or more recently. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Sam. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Super excited to talk to your fun listeners. Absolutely. So I did now and I just gave a quick run through of a much longer journey. So take us back in time a bit to when you were a, a much younger kid and you were uh, working on or helping out with the family business and how your journey started from there. Oh, my goodness, it was so much fun. And I always talk about my first job on a lot of different podcasts. And I think this is going to be my, I guess, 19th, 20th podcast that I have appeared on. So super popular guy in the in the podcasting community. Um, so my first job was, uh, you know, since I come from the manufacturing and distribution background, right? Um, so in my family, they have a saying that um, if you cannot be on the shop floor and typically in the manufacturing and distribution business, you are going to have some sort of warehouse or uh, the manufacturing shop floor where you are going to be uh, doing a lot of, uh, you know, physical uh, job, which a five-year, six-year-old kid cannot do. But then back in the days, we used to count money because we didn't have any electronic form of payment, right? We didn't have credit cards. So we had piles of cash and somebody had to count those. So that was sort of my first job. And that was my my sort of the entrepreneurial background. That, that's how we started, right? So when you mm -hmm. grow up in the family business, um, you learn a lot of different skills. And I think we discussed this in the in the uh, pre-show as well that, you know, by the time I went to university, I just knew about the manufacturing, the accounting, uh, you know, uh, everything that you can possibly imagine from the uh, retail distribution and manufacturing perspective, also from the finance perspective. But then what I really wanted to do is, you know, as, as any, like any teenager, right? So I really wanted to run away from my family because I didn't appreciate what they did. I was like, you know, I was smarter than them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I actually went went after um, the software degree, 
uh, or the electronics engineering is, is what how I like to define, but I had deep interest in the software side of things. Um, so did a lot of uh, things while I was in the university uh, in building a startup, but then uh, again, I could not see feeding my family using that just because the customers, um, the kind of customers we had, they never paid enough to be honest. And we had to do a lot to please them, right? So mm -hmm. it was just hard. So then I decided to go for Fortune 500 Consulting, as you mentioned. So did that for roughly 10-ish years. And now, uh, one, I question was, I, one question I had is, because yeah. I mean, you, you, you portrayed her, you know, you're saying, hey, we, I really had this entrepreneurial desire, but I also want to support the family and, you know, Fortune 500 is pay better than startups, or at least, you know, maybe to start out with, or it's easier to get going. Yeah. So, you know, did you, or how did you, how did you come to that conclusion? I mean, was it just simply, hey, I've got financial obligations. If I do a startup, I'm not going to be able to support them. Or was it a back and forth? Or did you try startups? Or did you just go directly to Fortune 5? How did you make that decision? Because it's kind of one that a lot of people bump, bump into. Yeah. So in my case, I think just because of my, my business background, I sort of have this intuition when I know that this is not going to be a long-term thing. Okay. So in my case, I mean, I was sort of born to do, uh, the projections in terms of cash, in terms of sustainability of the business. So I am not going to be excited about if somebody is paying, let's say, uh, you know, $100 a month or $200 a month, uh, you know, and just because I have a startup, I'm not going to be excited that, uh, you know, oh my goodness, I mean, I have some traction here. That's not who I was. I mean, I knew mm -hmm. that, I mean, you know, that small money, it, I will not be able to grow my family. I'll not be able to, um, or I will not be able to hire anybody. So that was not really scalable. Right? So I had to find, I figured that I had some gaps overall in understanding, overall in building the, the startups or business, even though I came from business background, but software is a completely different business, man. I mean, every business is different. Every situation is different. Every customer group is different. Every country is different. Every product is different. Every offering is different. So just because you come from the, let's say the manufacturing or distribution background does not mean that you can, you can build a software company. So mm -hmm. I had to learn it hard way, right? So, okay. So since I was now hanging in the middle, so I came from the, my manufacturing distribution accounting background, but then I am actually going after the software. So I had to figure out, okay, so I have done, let's say three or four years of software. And then, you know, I had done a, a lot of manufacturing distributions. What do I do now? Do I go for software or do I go back to my, my retail manufacturing? So I decided, you know what, since I started on the software journey, let me continue on that at least. Mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, just to build uh, sort of the, the understanding in terms of, you know, how to work in this field. So that's why I um, started just exploring that path as opposed to going for something else. So that's why I went for the Fortune 500 Consulting, um, you know, um, just because of the kind of, you know, money and the backing and the learning um, that I needed at that stage of my life. But that entrepreneurial itch was always there with me. So I was always trying these side hustles. But again, I could never see them scaling. I could never see them a viable business, which is going to be very key in case of any startup. And I see, let's say, 60%, 70% of these startups. I mean, I, I don't see them as the viable business, to be honest, okay? Mm. And I'm going to be completely upfront here. And, and that's why, as you may have heard or seen that, 90% of these startups, don't, they, are, they never become successful, right? And, and mm -hmm. that's true as well. Just because, you know, you have very tiny, tiny traction uh, in the beginning, that does not mean that you are probably going to be a real business. Real business requires a lot more persistence, a lot more financial backing. Somebody should be, uh, you know, able to back you up as opposed to 
simply going after an idea uh, and I don't know whether that is going to work in the real world or not, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's why I, I really wanted to uh, get into deeper in terms of how to build a software business. So that's why I stayed in the, in the consulting space for roughly uh, 10, 12 years. But still, for me, it was very hard to visualize whether I can build a software business or not because I had seen how challenging a software business could be. And mm-hmm. in the enterprise consulting space, again, the enterprise space is going to be very different than your product space, right? Uh, so in the startup space, you are going to see a lot more companies. They are going to go after, let's say, the SaaS product or uh, the smaller product, which are going after SMB. But the consulting that I was doing was really in the Fortune 500 space, really in the enterprise space. So now let me dive in and ask. Yeah. So, you know, you're doing the you're doing the consulting, you do it for, I think you said 12, 15 years or, or, or somewhere around there. Yeah. Now, what was kind of the tipping point to say, okay, I've done this for a period of time because, you know, consulting, doing it for big companies probably pays decently. And, you know, you built up your reputation and clientele, you built up, you know, kind of that, um, you know, track record. What made you decide to then jump over and start doing your own startup or what was kind of that tipping point? So yeah, I always wanted to do that, but I needed that financial backing and, uh, you know, it, it does take a long time to be able to have that financial backing to be able to uh, start comfortably. And that's why it took uh, some time for me. And for, uh, you know, also I wanted to learn. I mean, you know, I'm never afraid of learning. Uh, you know, I don't want to jump into something when I don't necessarily understand how to build this business, right? So it, 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 it took some time to be able to learn the industry, uh, you know, how, uh, what different roles are going to be there in terms of what people do uh, in different roles, how to build different functions. Uh, again, uh, you know, a business requires a lot more than just, uh, you know, starting a business. So, so that, that's why uh, it did take for me that 10, 15 years, but by that time, I had decent financial backing, to be honest, uh, you know, and uh, I, I was married by then. Um, again, a lot of people are going to think, you know what, let me start business first and then I'll figure out, you know, whether I want to get married or not. Uh, mm. In my case, I actually wanted to do everything else uh, in, in terms of the uh, having the stable life before I took any risk. It's the opposite, but I did it, right? <laughs> but It hey, definitely you know, works out. So now, now follow up to that. So, I mean, yeah. was there a specific tipping point in other words yeah so you get the you get married you do the other things you get the financial backing you have the money and you know or at least ability to have some savings and you're not putting all of your life at risk so to speak but what was a you know what was the tipping point or when you say okay i've done enough i've saved enough i'm, I'm ready to go let's uh, try this out and you know and then you know once you hit that tipping point how did you decide what you wanted to do or what you were going to land on so in my case obviously i was trying these things part-time always right so uh, even uh, after trying the consulting for 10, 15 years, I was building startups in, in parallel, always, always working on that, right? So I, I would not say that I started, uh, you know, full time, uh, you know, even after 10, 12 years, I was still working full time and trying something in, uh, uh, in parallel. That's what I was doing. Uh, so I don't know where that tipping point is going to be. I think the tipping point is going to be once I figured out, you know what, now I need to move, uh, you know, in, in, in full-time capacity. I think that would be a tipping point in my opinion. 
But before that, I think there is a story and that is uh, that we need to dig into because that's where I learned a lot from the entrepreneurial journey, right? So mm -hmm. when I was doing all of those startups, as, as I had told you in the pre-show, um, I was going after every shiny object out there. So I tried to build a startup in the medical device space and you are in the legal uh, you know, community and you know how difficult it is to build a, a startup in the medical device. And I had zero mm. expertise uh, in that space, but you know what? Uh, that's what everybody does, right? I mean, when they are new in the field, they want to run after every shiny object. So I tried into the, the medical device space. I tried into uh, MarTech, FinTech, uh, you know, real estate, you name it. I mean, you name my industry and I, I would have probably tried uh, a startup there, but again, uh, you know, failed every time. So I guess the tipping point was for me was to find a focus, okay? Mm -hmm. To find that core. When I figured, okay, you know what? I have tried all of this. Now I understand how to sort of build that sales and marketing funnel that is going to give us the, the continuous revenue. So I mm -hmm. had to reflect on my journey uh, starting from my, my, my journey from back in the days when I was doing, let's say, manufacturing distribution, I was like, I've done ERP, I've done manufacturing. And so what is the common pattern? What is my core focus? What are my core values? What am I build up? <laughs> okay. Hmm. And that's when I realized, you know what? I really understood ERP so well, right? And that's where, uh, you know, we started focusing a lot more. And this whole startup journey that I did in between, that gave me an understanding of, how to build that sales and marketing funnel that mm -hmm. I did not have as part of my, my consulting journey. As part of consulting journey, I got a lot of subject matter expertise, but I did not have the overall understanding of how to build a startup. So back in uh, somewhere in uh, what, uh, 2016, 2017 is when we started focusing a lot more on Elevate IQ. We built a business around uh, you know ERP, as you know, that's the space that we are in. Um, and we started focusing on really core, really niching down, really, uh, you know, uh, focusing on the things that we were really good at. No, that, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, I, I like the, it's never just a, I think it's hard to say there's one tipping point. I think that you start out and, okay, I'm going to try this. I might do this as a side hustle. I might try this out for a period of time, see how it goes. Is it worthwhile? Can I do this? And then you learn some skills. You probably have some failures. You pick up some more skills along the way and you continue to have that kind of full-time job as you figuring out what you want to do as a startup rather than just, you know, some people will just dive in and yep. sometimes it works out for them, but some people will dive in, they'll say, Hey, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try it anyway. And, you know, and then they ping pong between a whole bunch and then they, yep. they end, and then the day they now we're in a, a precarious financial position. They still haven't figured it out and they're still doing it. So I think that there's a lot to be said for going down that path. So now you went down that path. You've been doing that for a few years now. How has it gone? Has it been successful, rewarding? Have you wish you started earlier? You, you wish you could go back or kind of how's that all gone for you? Well, it's, it's gone really well. Obviously, uh, you know, COVID has been a crazy situation for all of us. I don't think anybody was really prepared for COVID uh, because we have not experienced this before. But overall, I think it, 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 it's gone pretty well, to be honest, right now, the, the position that we are in overall uh, from our positioning, branding, marketing, uh, you know, and, uh, overall visibility in the market, uh, overall trust, I would say, from the customer perspective. I think we are in a very good position despite COVID. Hmm. No, I, I think that definitely, you know, that's, that's always, there's always a, things that you have to pivot and adjust to. And COVID was certainly one for a lot of businesses. But as you uh, figure it out, as you adapt, as you move forward, it, I think it still presents a lot of opportunities. So it sounds like you guys have continued continue to make your way forward on that. So 
Now, as we uh, jump, you know, now as you're looking kind of into the future, taking, you know, the next six to 12 months, where do you see things headed and where do you guys, or where are you guys going to go? So right now from the positioning perspective, and let me uh, give a little story in terms of overall journey of the company's wall in terms of the way we built. So when we started, uh, obviously we wanted to, uh, our vision was, you know, how can we survive? That's the first thing that, you know, in my opinion, all of the businesses should think of. So initially when we started, we had, let's say, cash for 12 to 18 months or whatever. And we are a service business. I mean, we are not really investor funded. So we need to uh, we need to be extremely conscious about the cost. And in our case, the labor that we have and the, the people that we have, they are extremely expensive. We are in the programming space. And as you know, uh, you know how expensive the consultant or the programmers are going to be. So we need to be extremely, extremely sensitive and extremely conscious of our, our cash position always. So initially when, when I started, in fact, I mean, I have, a, I have a funny story and maybe that probably is a tipping point, uh, you know, for me because, you know, my wife actually tipped me over and she was like, you know what, I have started these businesses and, you know, I have done it and uh, here's my $8,000 that you can take and you can start this business. And I was like, are you sure about that? Uh, and, you know, in my case, I always want to look at every idea that anybody may have and mm-hmm. I want to consider them seriously. In my case, I'm more of the execution guy. If you give me a problem, I will take it to the end. That's my strength, always. Okay, she gave me a problem. Okay, it was a tough time to be honest. Okay, $8,000 is nothing. I mean, nobody should be starting a business <laughs> in $8,000. Uh, the moral of the story is, so, so we started, uh, you know, we ended up selling our house <laughs> and that's how we, we got hmm. cash for 12 to 18 months. Uh, and that's what I probably had from the beginning in, in my mind, to be honest. I mean, that's how we wanted to operate, right? So that was kind of the tipping point. But overall, from the journey perspective, what we really wanted to do is how can we how can we be stable from the revenue perspective and let's say, you know, first couple of years. And after that, we can think about building on top of that. So initially, when we were thinking about the sales and marketing spend, right, we were super conscious. Okay, how can we get the first customer? That was always the first priority. How can we get the reliable customer who's always going to pay us, you know, despite of, uh, you know, how expensive we are or whatever, right? I mean, see, uh, you need to have that kind of trust with your first customer so that you have the scalable, uh, scalable customer model, scalable revenue model, right? So mm-hmm. that was our vision from the beginning. And then we actually wanted to build on top of that. So, yeah, so uh, when we started doing that, we figured out, okay, what are the channels that are really performing for us? What are the channels that are really bringing the ROI for us? And the ROI needs to be in the micro PNL segments the way I like to think, okay? I like to think of my business. I always like to split my business and let's say, you know, 10 different segments. And out of those 10 different segments, do I have my rough PNL, uh, you know, on the back of my envelope anytime if I want to pop, okay? And I want to compare, okay, what is working? What is not working? That's how uh, how much data I typically like to have on my hands, to be honest. The information I like to have on my hands. So that's why, honestly speaking, that is the reason why we are successful in this market. Otherwise, it would have been harder to survive uh, during COVID. So we have very deep understanding of our customer channels. We have very deep understanding of what works from the sales perspective, from the marketing perspective. So right now, our goal is, I mean, we are getting better. I'm not going to say that, you know, we were this good from from day one we made tons of mistakes right but our goal was to understand these these micro slices okay how can we understand the the potential of those micro slices and how can we double down on those slices okay Mm -hmm. so that's what that's what we did 
So right now our goal is how can we be a regional brand from the ERP consulting perspective? How can we make sure that at least one division is performing well? And we always like to have at least two or three divisions in the business so we, it's completely diversified. We don't want to put all of money in, in one customer or one customer segment or one group. So we are always trying to diversify. So in the next five to uh, six years, I guess, you know, it's going to be a lot more focused. How can we find the channels that we can double down and how can we find channels uh, that we can explore further? And in terms of the R&D, we typically like to see 80-20, right? 80 is going to be near term, 20 is going to be long term. That's how we like to define our investment. Um, so yeah, so uh, I mean, obviously we are always exploring the channels um, that are working for us and we are always looking for uh, how can we keep experimenting on, on newer channels? We are always uh, trying newer channels from the marketing perspective, from social media, uh, you know, but again, I mean, see, we don't like to put all of money in, in everything because that doesn't work, right? I mean, see, then we can, mm. we can, we can burn ourselves. No, I think that that's a, a lot of a great place to be and a lot of lessons learned. I'm excited to see now kind of as you continue to diversify, as you kind of keep those channels open and, and see what works, where things are headed. So I'm excited to see. So now with that in mind, we'll, we'll shift gears just a bit and kind of as we've reached to where you're at in, in your journey and a little bit looking into the future, we'll jump to the two questions I always have at the end of each podcast. So yeah. the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? So my worst business decision is going to be not trusting the branding and marketing enough. In my business, I always believed that, you know, it was a slightly more sales driven business and we barely invested anything in marketing. Even if you are talking about free marketing, even if you are talking about investing time, we had zero visibility from the brand perspective, um, you know, from the marketing perspective, that has been a learning. If we sort of, you know, diversified us a bit and maybe did 70% sales and 30% marketing uh, and, and branding, um, you know, just write blogs on a, on a um, you know, consistent basis, just build your SEO, um, you know, build your domain authority. That is something we did not do. And we realized that, you know, we should have done that from from a very beginning, just because, you know, when you look at the outbound, it's all some cost in, in, in our mind, right? Uh, but the uh, inbound marketing is almost your asset. So make sure you are always building the assets from the marketing perspective, because that is going to be long-term. Um, your outbound is all short-term. So I would say the worst decision that we have uh, made is going to be not trusting marketing and branding enough. No, and I think, you know, I think that definitely makes sense. It's one that it's, it's an easy one to make the mistakes and, you know, who to trust and where to put the money and how to make the decisions is always a hard one. And you, sometimes you have to learn what you should have trusted or what you should have done by what you didn't do and what you didn't trust. And then you make you learn your lessons from there. So now as we jump to the second question I always have, which is now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? So my advice is going to be, and I'm probably going to be called out on this one, you know, never ever trust your family, okay? You are <laughs> alone in this game, okay? Your family is going to be overcommitting themselves when they promise anything. Just because they are extremely emotional, they are not rational when they are committing, okay? And if you do that, then it's going to fire back. So uh, one piece of advice would be you are alone in this game. Don't count on anyone. Just think that nobody is there to help you. If you mm. plan that way, then you will go a long way. And that's been a hard lesson for me. I'm always like, you know, why are my 
employees not helping me out. I mean, you know, if I have to get revenue, uh, I, they should be helping me out. But you know what? It doesn't work that way, okay? I am the only one who's responsible to do everything. That's how I like to think. And that's, how, that's why we could survive COVID. Uh, otherwise, by this time, we'll be gone, to be honest. Okay? You are alone in this journey is my piece of advice. <laughs> no, I, I like that because, you know, if you, if you always, if it's a little bit like you to go back to the old story about Cortez, he came to, it was when the Americas were being founded and, you know, people are coming and he basically burned the ships, right? He came on the land, he said, Hey, and then after everybody got off, he burned the ships and said, there is no way back We're not going back to Europe. We're going to stay here and we're going to make this work. And that's what, you know, before that there had been a lot of failed civil or, or failed colonies because they weren't able to do it. And there was a bit of difference. And when you have the family and Hey, they're going to help me out or I'm going to rely on them or anything else then you always feel like you have a safety net and you probably don't operate as you shouldn't you don't operate with the risk at first you don't have cash savings because you always think there'll be that safety net and when you actually look and say no i don't have a safety net i'm the one that's got to get it figured out got to make it work got to get it going and if i don't then there is you know it's going to fail then it gives you that sense of urgency and it also makes you uh, approach it differently it's kind of like you know if you have a whole bunch of you know sometimes the worst thing for a business is they have way too much money to spend and they go blow it on a whole bunch of things that they don't need or they're not as judicious or careful because yeah. they have too much money and so i think that's a great piece of advice so now as we wrap up if is um if people want to reach out to they want to find out more they want to be a customer a client they want to be an investor an employee they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above what's the best way to reach out or find out more super easy i'm super popular on on linkedin social media twitter you know my, you cannot miss me my first name is sam sam last name is gupta g-u-p-t-a uh, and if you look up for wbs rocks uh, it's W-B-S-R-O-C-K-S. Uh, if you look up on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Uh, and the business URL, if you want, that's going to be WBS.rocks. Uh, it's super easy as well. And the Elevate IQ is the name of the business. Uh, and the URL is ElevateIQ.com. There's no E at the end in Elevate word. So it's E-L-E-V-H-E-I-Q.com. All right. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, find out more, and, uh, and support Sam along his journey. Well, thank you again, Sam, for coming on. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you want to come on the podcast and be a guest on here, tell share your journey. Just go to inventiveguest.com. Apply to be on the podcast. So two more things as a listener. One, and uh, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player. So you know what? All of our awesome episodes come out. And two, make sure to leave a review so everybody else finds out about our awesome episodes as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help, patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com, and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Sam, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. I had a blast here. 